RWJ Barnabas Health Telemed offers you two convenient ways to see a doctor anytime, anywhere, without having to come in for an appointment. If you're in need of urgent care, you can use our app to connect with a provider 24-7, right on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. Or you can use our website to schedule a virtual visit with an RWJ Barnabas Health Medical Group provider or specialist. And you can even register as a new patient. Book an appointment online at rwjbh.org slash telemed. Your safety has always been our top priority, and we've taken every precaution. So don't delay your care any longer. Get started today at rwjbh.org slash telemed. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Lockwood. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Special co-host this week, and I'm pumped because I haven't seen him since the end of the season, and that is my broadcast partner, former Devil, former TV star on MSG, and now on the radio side. He's done it all in the sport, and of course, he needs no introduction, but we'll give it here. Chico Resch, welcome to the show. Wow, Maddie, I have trained you well. That's the best introduction I've ever had, but thanks. And of course, as you're going to mention, I'm very excited because whenever, um, what can I say, one of God's chosen athletes are being on this podcast, it's going to be special. Well, let's emphasize athletes, because one of the things that you dislike is when someone describes a goalie as athletic, <laughs> as opposed to like, what? We're not athletes. Yeah. We've got the eye-hand coordination. We've got the quick reflexes. That's why we're goalies, and that's why we're in the best <laughs> league in the world. But yeah. oftentimes, they're described as athletes, and that is kind of odd. Like, oh, he's really good. He's athletic. Well, yeah. Yes. Well, thank you, Maddie, for that. And um you know, goalies, as we've seen now, Maddie, through the playoffs, uh, have been maybe the most significant player in every series, almost. I think it Carey Price, what he's done up in Montreal, carrying them to the semis. And so we believe in New Jersey that we've got a goalie as well, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, who one day will be that difference maker as well. So we know, and you especially know how important goalies are in the world of hockey. It is the most important position. There's only one guy that plays that position in the NHL. They've got other defensemen and forwards who can hide if they're having a bad game. The goalie cannot hide. It is a critical spot. And a critical spot in the management structure, in the hockey operations structure of the New Jersey Devils is a man who played for the Devils, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but also who Um, has experienced life outside the game from a different perspective, whether it's with another organization or in the minor leagues, a guy who is a devil through and through. And he's now part of a newly restructured hockey operations department where he has been named the director of goaltending development. And that's a huge change in the sport, isn't it, Chico, that that kind of focus has been put on the goaltenders? Uh, That's a great point, Matty. And I think after this year's playoffs, and what people are seeing, how critical uh, the goalies are, not, not just because so-and-so is good, but that constant managing that goalie where in a seven-round series, he can he can have a little tiny glitch, but he can't go two bad games or two games where he's off center, whether it's mental or physical, and that team's still going to win. 
And um, what the devils have done, they found a man that um, has a great balance to how he sees life, how he sees the game. But what I like about anyone who's been successful, and you know it, um, I always say this about our former partner, Mike Emmerich, we see the finished product. But how did he get there? He wasn't born with all that. And, you know, our, our guest today is in the same um, mold. He, 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 he wasn't just born a goalie. He, he developed himself into a terrific goalie. And what impressed me, Maddie, when I looked at it, 10 years as a player in the Devils organization, 10 years, and now he's carrying on in, a, in the role you just described. So a very big asset for the New Jersey Devils. Well, let's identify him and bring him on. He's got a great backstory. He came from that hockey hotbed, <laughs> Iowa, and made it to the National Hockey League. We'll discuss that and more with Scott Clemenson. Well, Scott Clemenson, welcome to the show. What's keeping you busy these days? Work. To work. <laughs> I was trying to manage the craziest season uh, on record. Uh, obviously, it came to a close for us a little bit earlier than we, we'd hoped, but we still got the draft coming up. We got expansion draft, free agency. Uh, there's a lot to do in the offseason, for sure. And we're going to dive into that. What was the craziest part about this uh, pandemic and the rules changes in terms of access and things like that? Well, I think it was just the testing protocol, the bubble. Um, guys coming off, uh, you know, off uh, off the roster, on the roster. Uh, we had both teams. Fortunately, we were able to have both teams. Our American League affiliate in Binghamton played out of Newark this year, so that made things a little bit easier for us. But, um, you know, it was players. One guy might have a, a positive test. Was it a false positive? We don't know. We got to quarantine him. Contact tracing. This guy can't play. This guy's got to go up then. And uh, so a lot of roster moves this year. That That, I think, was the craziest part. Well, Scott, let's start at the beginning. Um, I mean, you're a kid in Des Moines, Iowa, not a hockey hotbed. No one from that city or that region or from Iowa, from the state, has ever made the NHL. What, what were the steps that caused you to want to pull those big pads on and, and drive you to uh, some pretty nice limits? Yeah, well, you know, growing up in Iowa, um, yeah, it wasn't a hockey hotbed, right? And so, but it, hockey was very popular amongst a, a real small following in Des Moines, uh, particularly where I grew up. Um, so my brother and I, older brother, we started playing, uh, I was seven, he was nine, uh, but I was a defenseman. Then I transitioned to forward and scored some goals here and there. And then when I was about 13, uh, I decided I wanted to try, uh, try, uh, try my hand at goalie. And I think it was just, uh, mainly to try something new. Um, you know, I, I like the position as well. Uh, I like the equipment. Um, and I, but it was for me, it was like for one weekend, I was going to try for this one weekend. We go, go up and play a tournament up in Minnesota. I'll play this game, uh, or these two games and then come back and sw switch back. Well, I ended up going up there cause the team needed a goalie. Our goalie was sick that weekend. Uh, ended up, I think I had a shutout, maybe my first game with played well again. So then it sort of turned into another weekend and another <laughs> weekend. Uh, my parents were, were begging me to go back to forward. They didn't like, like watching me skate around out there, but uh, it just sort of stuck, you know, sort of stuck with me uh, that I was going to stay in that, in that position. Um, and, you know, I, I did well for the team, so the team didn't mind, but I was also at the time the best forward on the team. So, um, but it, uh, but it ended up working out for me as well. But, you know, growing up in Iowa, hockey's not, obviously it wasn't very popular. Um, I think what drove 
youth hockey in the time, and it still does to this day, uh, you know, was the success of the junior team, the Des Moines Buccaneers that play uh, in Des Moines uh, out of the same rink there that, that I learned to, to play in. Um, and I think that was, to me, I thought the Buccaneers were like the top, you know, the, the highest you could possibly go was to play for the, the Buccaneers. Um, and so uh, at the time, that was, that was my goal at the time was just to play for them. Well, then, Scotty, and that's a great beginning, but then something changed. Obviously, I know the North Stars weren't too far north and you had St. Louis and other cities. But when did it start to get in your head? Uh, not that you were dreaming of being in the NHL, but maybe you could go higher. Maybe you could play Division One college or you could one day maybe even have a shot at the NHL. When did that start to form? Uh, you know what? Uh, it, late, very, very late. Uh, you know, I I. I graduated from you know youth hockey going um traveling all around the midwest like i said going to minnesota and we went to colorado chicago st louis a lot um going back then to playing high school hockey and then from there um i was the third goalie my senior year high school was the third goalie on the des moines buccaneers team um which was uh, great for me it was a huge huge jump um between iowa high school hockey and then uh, the ushl but um even even getting to that point, I still wasn't like, you know, I didn't think that I could play in the NHL. It was just too far out there. No one else had done it from, from Iowa. I didn't know anyone who had, had done it before. I always thought that that was for players that were much better than I was. That yeah. wasn't even my dream. I was like, Hey, if I can make it here, play for the, the Buccaneers, if I can get a college scholarship, that would be great. Um, I actually didn't even I didn't grasp my the the concept of actually playing in college until I got a college scholarship, and then I realized, okay, wait, I gotta now I gotta play in college now. I, I was I was so focused on getting the scholarship, that I thought that was like the top, you know, the top that you could possibly be. So at that point on, it became, hey, I'm just gonna kind of play as I go here. I was fortunate enough to go to Boston College; it was a great uh, hockey program. But I, even then, I didn't think I was going to play in the NHL. I didn't even know how my college career was going to play out. Ended up getting drafted before I went to college. I still, you know, it was very, I was a very late round pick. It was the second year I was eligible. So it wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't a shoe in to even get signed. I didn't even take playing professional hockey. I didn't even take that serious until very late in my college career. My, you know, the second semester of my senior year and I just remember I'm going to be graduating here in a couple of weeks what am I going to do can I play pro hockey maybe for a couple of years just just to prolong getting a real job that's all I wanted to do <laughs> prolong getting a job as long as possible um, so I didn't even think about pro hockey until that point and I was just just hoping like um, maybe a couple of years and then I'll go into business or sit behind a desk and, and do that. So um, it, it, it took a while for me to even grasp that concept, to be honest with you. But it, it's starting to form up and things are starting to happen. You get drafted by the New Jersey Devils. I know it was a later round, but still, uh, were you happy that the Devils drafted you? Even with Marty Brodeur there, knowing that, oh boy, that's going to be tough. Uh, what was your feelings on that draft day when you got picked? Well, uh, uh, coincidentally enough, yeah, they had Marty Broder. I think he was like 27, I think, at the time. Uh, coincidentally, they drafted a goalie in the first round that same year, uh, J.F. Danfoos, uh, and then I was drafted much later. Like I said, I didn't put a whole lot of stock. I knew that maybe I could play pro hockey. I didn't think I was going to ascend and take Marty Broder's job. I certainly didn't think that was going to happen. I also knew that you get drafted by any NHL team, 
to get there, you're going to have to go through a lot of good goalies to get there, you know? So who I got drafted by at the time didn't really make a whole lot of, you know, um, uh, didn't play into my future hands that much at the time, knowing that, Hey, I just got to work my way up anyway. But after, you know, signing with New Jersey and really getting there and meeting, you know, Lou and dealing with him on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, going to camp with guys like Marty Broder and Eliash and the other guys on the team and Niedermeyer, all of a sudden being surrounded by now J.F. Danfoos is there, being surrounded by Chris Terreri, our full-time goalie coach in the minors, Jacques Caron, the goalie coach with the big club with who taught Marty. All of a sudden, you know, I have started to appreciate more the devils, you know, as opposed to just, hey, I was drafted in the NHL and I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm even going to have a career. Um, at that point is when it really kind of sunk in like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be drafted by the devils at that time. Well, you know, Scott, all success, uh, whether it's business, hockey, sports, other fields, it's a bit of a mystery because sometimes when you've gone through the success, you look back and you say, how did that really happen? Now that you've had a chance to reflect back, I'm just curious. The competition was stiff, a lot of goalies. When you look back, and I know you're not bragging, but there are certain things that take place that separate some goalies from the other. You were able to separate yourself a little. Like when people say you got to work hard, I say, no, that's not accurate. You got to work hard, smart. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious when you look back and you think, how did I make it to the NHL? Well, what what are you thinking? Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't the most talented and I, and I never was my whole career, but I think what one thing that I was able to do probably better than some of the others. And if you look at the goalie we drafted that year, again, JF Danfoos, and even two years after that, we drafted Finnish goalie Ari Ahonen uh, in the first round, uh, the devils. Did. I say we I'm talking about the devils, but so there were the two first round picks. I go to training camp, my first year of training camp in, in the, the fall of 2001, which was, actually September 11th, 2001. So I'll never forget that date. I go to training camp that year, you know, I'm there with three first round picks, including Marty Brodeur. So, you know, here I am as a very late round pick. I certainly don't have the same, the same talent that these other guys have. Um, but I think one of the things I was able to do was adapt, you know, to learn and to take this club out of my bag, which I do now, you have now maybe throw it out and put another one in, you know, that sort of thing. I was able to adapt, say, this is what you need to do to, to play and to get better. And I was able to do those things as opposed to, you know, just relying on my talent because that, that didn't do it for me. So I was able to just go to build myself, you know, as a goalie, as, a, as opposed to being born a goalie, I was sort of built as a goalie, I think. And I think that's the, that was the key for me was to just continue to improve and to do that there was an adaption process. It was adapting off the ice, on the ice, all the technical stuff. Okay. I can, I can implement it into my game a little bit easier than someone who's just, Hey, I'm just going on, on raw ability. Well, at some point the ability catches everyone else's ability catches up with you. And if you're not improving, you're going to get passed by. And I think that that's basically what happened with me as I was able to adapt, improve, steadily improve. And eventually I'm passing by Aria Honan. I'm passing by J.F. Danfoos to, to get to the NHL. Well, the NHL then is on the horizon, and Matty Lachlan, who was there to watch it, and I'm sure interviewed you a few times and so forth. Uh, I'm going to let Matty take it over, but I, I am just curious, that when I was looking at your stats, <clears throat> you were able to play in the NHL your first year with the Devils. Is that correct? Do you remember that first game? 
I do remember the first game. I so I went into like I said, I went to that training camp being you know one of one of several goalies there, and there was three other first rounders. Marty Broder was there, um, and the backup job was I think up up for grabs at the at that point. Um, I was just you know what I was scared to go to the East Coast League. I was so scared of that league. It was like fear. Like I just want to make sure I make that team in Albany, you know? Um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm there. I, I don't know how I'm going to fit in, but my training camp went well that year. If I remember correctly, I played a couple of preseason games. You know, I was older. I came out of college. I wasn't like a 20 year old coming out of junior older. I was about 24 years old coming out of college, but I, fa- I played a few exhibition games that year. One, uh, one I remember playing uh, the, uh, the uh, Rangers at Madison square garden uh, and Peter Nedved got a penalty shot. And I just remember thinking, how can I stop Peter Nedved? Like, <laughs> rookie out of, you know, out of Iowa. Like, how am I going to do this? You know? And, and I remember the ref, yeah, I forget who the ref was, but he told me just before, he's like, all right, good luck, kid. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, I'm Peter Nedved's going to come and I know he's got a great shot. He's going to snipe me here. Right. Right. So I, I just remember holding my ground because I just didn't want to get beat by a shot. He makes a move to his backhand somehow I get over and make the save. Um, and so, you know, at that time, then things start to kind of roll a little bit like, okay, I, I think I can play here, you know, and I, I played well that, that, that preseason in that preseason. So the first game of the season, I make the team out of camp, um, the big club, I'm trying to make the Albany team, but I, I was on the big club. The first game of the season, uh, we're in Washington um, Joseph Boma Dien made his NHL debut that same night. He was a defenseman for us from Sweden. He scored our only goal. We're down five to one. We had just taken a penalty. We're down five to one after two periods. Jacques Caron comes into the, into the locker room. He's speaking French with Marty. No idea what they're saying. Jacques <laughs> looks, at, looks at me and goes, okay, kid, you're in. <laughs> hey, here we go. So I go in there to start the period, down five, one. John Madden takes a penalty right off the face off. So now we're down two guys i haven't even played in like my first two minutes in the league yet we're down five on three and sure enough the first shot goes in it's a peter bondra one-timer you know the washington power play was gonchar uh uh yamir yager um i think nylander might have been on that that power play uh bondra and um and uh who's the check the right shot check uh i can't remember his name now but uh um, anyway, but it was like an all-star lineup. First shot goes in. Um, so I always say, Hey, I let my first shot shot go in in the NHL. But my second shot was on Yager. So my first save ended up being on Yamir Yager, but it was the second shot of my NHL career. Uh, and that's when I made my NHL debut in that first game. And we lost six to one and we lost six to one. It's a great story. And, and Chico, you're right. I did spend Many times speaking with Scott and, and having him as a guest, either in intermission or pregame, because one of the many lessons taught to me by Stan Fischler was this guy's a good interview. And that's <laughs> what you wanted. You wanted a good interview. And Scotty clearly is a good interview, was back then. And certainly you want a guy who's thoughtful, as Scott has shown here in the early going of our podcast. And we thank all our listeners for joining us on Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. And so that team that you joined, they, they were coming off a season in which they had gone to the Stanley Cup final. I'm wondering what it's like. You had gone at Boston College. You were a national champion. So here you are, a national champion, joining a Stanley Cup championship team, well, in 2000, and then went to the final in 2001. 
just wondering a little bit about what that locker room was like. Oh yeah. Uh, and I remember Jeff Friesen when we picked him up um, at some point in the season, I remember it was that year or uh, another year, but he said it best. And I, I really agree with it. He was like, you know, I'm coming here. You got to check your ego at the door before you walk into this locker room. Uh, I remember the same thing. I don't think I said a word my first year on the team. Um, like I said, trying to make the Albany team in the American league here. I'm now with the big club. I'm not, I don't want to screw anything up. I'm here to li- look and learn and listen you know, at the same time, I haven't even played any pro hockey and to be on that team and to start my career on that team, I think really helped me. Uh, it really helped give me the confidence that you can play in the NHL. So when I did get sent down, I thought of myself as an NHL player who, who was playing in, in the American League. Uh, and I think that drove me internally to say, well, I have to now prove it. You know, if, if, if you're an NHL goalie and you're in the American League, then you got to be good all the time. You know, your practice habits have to be good. You can't give up bad rebounds. If you think you're an NHL goalie and you're giving up bad rebounds in the American League, what does that what does that mean? You know, you're a hypocrite? Uh, I think that really drove me internally, just mm-hmm. making the team. Uh, and then, honestly, from that point on, every every time or any time I got sent down or I was playing the American League is to, to have that internal drive to prove that you're an NHL player. So it was a big part. Um, but but to go back to your question, I don't think I talked for a year, <laughs> just letting those guys talk and what was going on, how they conducted themselves. Unbelievable on how to work, uh, how to work hard. What does that mean? Um, I thought coming out of call, I thought you just, well, I walked in that room and Scott Stevens was just Scott Stevens and Needham. They just showed up and they were great. Uh, but it wasn't that way. Those guys showed up early. They were pros like all the time, 24 hours. Um, I, I, it took me about a week in order to, to figure out when I needed to get to the rink. Cause I showed up the first day. I was one of the last ones there. I can't be the last one there. You know, the <laughs> next day I, I show up early. I'm going to, I got to beat at least someone to the rink here on, and they're there. They're in the weight room. They're stretching They're roll. Like all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, it took me a week to get on their page. I got to get there at least before them. I'm a rookie, you know? Um, so I learned, I learned an awful lot that first year in just terms of, how to be a pro, what to do, what these guys are doing. Uh, you talk about a, a real eye-opening and a learning experience. That was, that was something else. You know, there are a lot of players who don't learn that lesson. Uh, they come in thinking, well, I'm here, regardless of where they were drafted uh, or if they were drafted. And, okay, you know, I don't have to show up ahead of the superstars, the guys who are going to the Hall of Fame. Where, where did you learn those lessons? What was going on at home in Iowa uh, to let you know that no, there's a way that you're going to have to live your life. Never mind in the NHL, but just live your life. Yeah, right. And and I do attribute that to my upbringing in in Iowa. Not only within hockey, but you know my parents both grew up on farms, and so they had that that farmers you know work at you know attitude and, and work ethic. And I hopefully you know I hope they instill that in me. But it was always I grew up in Iowa. I had no idea a barometer, how good I was. You know, I thought everyone from Canada was better than me automatically. If you're from Canada, you're better than me. Uh, Minnesota, I played a lot against the Minnesota kids. I thought they were all better than me. Kids from New York, Massachusetts, I didn't know them. I assumed everyone was better than me. So if I was going to play and I wanted to continue to play hockey because I liked hockey, but if I, at some point, you can't just volunteer to play, you know, you have to make it. So I just had that my whole life was, I just don't want to stop playing hockey. And so I kept, you know, I kept pushing myself knowing that I'm going to have to work harder than other, you know, everyone else. They're more talented than me. At least I thought anyway, if I can just work harder 
And then I started to see that, you know, you don't have to be the most talented. If you work hard, you can beat out guys that are more talented than you and then move up. And now I saw guys with less talent than me falling down and not having those opportunities, not being able to play junior hockey, play college hockey, play pro hockey. And I just kind of kept moving up. So, you know, by the time I got to the NHL, I knew I wasn't the most talented person in that locker room, but I, I thought I could at least stay here even if someone else has more talent than me, you know, I thought I could at least stay here and learning those, learning those lessons early and carrying them through. And then you get to that pro level, like I talked about with that team in particular and how they conducted themselves and how they, I played with and against a lot of, and everyone does a lot of talented players and then they'd fall down. And why didn't they make it? You know, why didn't they make it now here? I'm in the NHL with uber talented players, but then you see why they are the way they are, why they're superstars, why they're a Hall of Famers. Now you got supremely talented players who and, and their work ethic and how they go about it. Then you see, you really see what, what truly makes them great. After a few more games that rookie year, you were sent down uh, to Albany where you spent a few seasons honing your game before you got called back up again. And the team that you joined had just come off a championship in 2003. And in 2003-2004, you get to make your first start in the National Hockey League. And I don't think you can do it any better, draw it up any better. You wind up with a shutout. What memories do you take of that victory over Pittsburgh? Well, that's funny. I want to start, too. You say, well, you got sent down, and I did. and then, But you made your first start like two years later, right? Um, so I just want to start at that because I do remember making the big club out of camp that year, my rookie year. And I remember sitting in the lounge there at the practice facility, South Mountain, and and Lou Lamarillo was a pro, it was just me and him. And I should have just left. I should have just left the rink. You know? <laughs> I'm just standing there. I was waiting. I remember I was waiting for Brian Gianta to like get showered up, change. I'm waiting for him. I should have just, just left. <laughs> so we're just, and he's looking at me, you know, not saying anything. And I'm looking around. Oh man, I can feel him looking at me, you know. And he looks at me, he's like, Clemmer, Clemmer, we're going to get you down to Albany, play some games. And, you know, I get it. You know, I, had, I hadn't played yet and I'm just out of college. You know, I'm not ready, probably not ready for the NHL at the time. But anyway, experience was great, um, which I just talked about. But uh, I, I thinking now, I was thinking that I was really smart in asking this question because I didn't want to say, whoa, why, you know, why are you sending me down? I was really thinking, I was, this is a smart question. So I asked uh, Lou, I said, well, how long should I pack for? You know, thinking that I'm not, you know. So he goes, oh, about two weeks. So I go, okay. All right. So I packed my bag for two weeks, go down to Albany. I was there for two years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, yeah, I got the call. I did get the call, um, you know, in January of that year, I think it was Oh four, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they were playing uh, the penguins in Pittsburgh the, the next night. I remember jumping on a plane, grabbing my gear, jumping on a plane um, and making that, that first start at that time. Um, and, and looking back, you know, <laughs> Uh, that team is, and all the teams that they had there that I played on in Jersey, they were such good teams. You know, they had Niedemeyer, Stevens, those, all those guys that were Falski, those defensemen uh, that won all those championships. Uh, it wasn't that case in Albany. We were not a very strong team in Albany. So I was facing, uh, you know, over 40 shots a night, most, most years in Albany, which was great development. I get called up now. Now I'm playing on that team. Um, in Pittsburgh, who wasn't a very strong team at the time. Uh, and I got a shutout my first NHL start. I got a shutout, but I only, you know, I only had like 20 shots or something like that to me, which was 
like a period in Albany. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, that's one of the things I, I remember most about it was, Hey, good. And I think I got another shutout a couple of games later. I played in, uh, in Atlanta, uh, and we won like five, nothing. I had like 18 saves on uh, this. Everyone's like, Hey, great job. Good. You know? And I, I remember thinking I didn't do a whole lot. I'm used to, you know, 40, 45 in Albany. I only had 18 shots here. On this club. <laughs> um, so it was good. Definitely good development for me in the American league. Well, I know there was a quote after the win against Pittsburgh where they came out strong, but they trailed. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think, outshot the devil something like 13 to four in the first period. And you were asked after the game about keeping them at bay. And, and you re- referencing your time in Albany, you were like, what are you kidding me? I was facing 45 <laughs> shots a night down in Albany. 13 in, in the first period was nothing. I was used to it. And, and I felt comfortable. They made me feel comfortable. That's uh, so true. That's so true. Uh, but yeah. It, it, um, uh, I'm trying to think of that that night. I think Matt Murley, you know, Thomas Sorobi, that was their top line. They were they were hurting on injuries. They I think at the time they called them Wilkesbury West, right? Was the was the, <laughs> the thing. But I always, always hated playing in that rink, that the igloo. I hated it. I never played well there the rest of my career, even though I had to shut out my first my first game there. How come? What, what other than the result, what did it you was, like about the igloo? Well, number one, they had good players, so that that did not help me. <laughs> yeah, eventually they turned it around. <laughs> eventually sure. they had, you know, uh, Lemieux and and uh, Yager, those guys. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just a small rink for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it was one of those places where loud, the, the, the crowd was on top of you. There, I played in other rinks the same way, which which I liked. But then for some reason, that rink against that team, uh, it just never went my way and I, I hated playing there. So I, I loved it when they built a new one and moved over to at least get out of there. But, uh, funny though, funny got my first, first win and shutout in that ring. Yeah. Eddie Olchick was the head coach of the Penguins at the time and it was a three, nothing victory. But then again, you don't get a long-term shot with the team. And this time the organization has moved its minor league to Lowell and you're playing for the Lowell Devils. It had to be a little frustrating for you because you had demonstrated on occasions that you could play in the national hockey league and be at least a backup, if not a regular guy. And with Marty there, that opportunity wasn't going to present itself. So I'm wondering what the mental challenges were of having success, but having to go back and duplicate it and spend a lot of time still, because you don't come back up for a while uh, on a regular basis from Lowell. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I always said that, you know, I was, fortunate to to get drafted by the devils and the professionalism that Lou ran the, the, the team with back when I was playing and everyone that was surrounded with there on the ice and off the ice. Uh, at the time we were, I think the only American league team that had a full-time goalie coach when, when Chris Terreri, it was tremendous experience for me. I always said it was a great learning experience. The other side of that coin is you knew you weren't going to play a whole lot, right? Um, just, just to get there. So, you know, at the time, I, you know, needed to take control of my career as, as everyone does prove that you can play in the NHL. If I could just even be in the NHL, you know, for an extended amount of time, you were hoping that that was enough that, uh, you know, you could either stay there with the team or, you know, if there was other opportunities elsewhere, but play as many games as you can play as well as you can, uh, and try to build your career up that way. So, um, it was never easy. I knew I wasn't taking Marty Broder's job. There wasn't, that wasn't going to happen. Um, but at the same time, you're trying to build your own career with what you've got in front of you. And it was always that, you know, this is what I need to do this year to figure out what's going to happen for next year. And so those one year, those one year increments, you know, really piled up. And a lot of them though, were, were in New Jersey. That 
opportunity in New Jersey finally came in that 08-09 season. Marty gets hurt. Kevin Weeks is his backup. Kevin gets elevated to the number one spot, and you get called up. And eventually, you take over as the number one goalie. Talk about all those circumstances that came together and the fact that you were able to put 25 wins on the board in that year for the Devils. Yeah, yeah. And this is going to be a really long-winded question, so settle in for this one. I'm going to go a, <laughs> a lot of different ways on this one. But so I had left the year before, right? And I played in Toronto. Um, the year before that, when I was in, in New Jersey, we had Victor Kozloff on the team. And Victor Kozloff, everyone knows, was unbelievable in the shootout, right? It was unbelievable. That year, Victor never really played a whole lot. So he's always an extra guy. So on the morning skates, when the extra guys are still out there doing their extra stuff because they're not going to play that night, I'm there because I'm the backup goalie and not playing that night. You know, we used to take uh, uh, shootouts all the time. I would say, Victor, get some pucks at center ice, come down. I'm not, we're not getting off the ice. It's the end of practice. I'm not getting on, off the ice until, you, until I stop you. And I could not stop this guy. He would just come down. <laughs> And he, he made a lot of goalies look bad too. I get it, which is great for me. But man, he was so good at the shootouts. There were sometimes he'd get tired just going, picking up a puck at center ice, coming down to shoot on me, score, go back to, I'm like, I got to stop this before we get off the ice, you know? Um, the next year I go to Toronto. So then I re-sign with New Jersey that year, starting the minors. As you said, Marty gets, gets hurt. I get called up. Kevin Weeks is there for whatever reason. Uh, Brent Sutter liked me and I had a pretty good training camp, but for whatever reason, Brent Sutter liked me more than he liked Kevin. Uh, I don't know why Kevin did well. Um, we lost a couple of games. So he put me in there. I actually remember, I think I lost my first two games, I think. Um, but then he played me again. And I think that that third game was against Washington at home. And it's like, we're winning maybe four to three, I think, late. So it wasn't a, a goalie duel by any means. I remember Ovechkin scored on me late in the game, maybe with the goalie pulled, four to four. We go to a shootout in that game. And, you know, Washington's got all these different weapons, right? They got all these. So, of course, Ovechkin comes down to shoot first, and I stop him. He tries to go five hole. I remember this, this uh, vividly, and I stop him. Uh, second shooter is who? Victor Kozlov. <laughs> uh, and so here I go again, the, the Peter Nedved thing, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, as a goalie, you're supposed to be mentally tough, but this guy's in my head. I, I can't stop this guy. So he comes down and he like sh shoots the puck almost like into me. So I don't know what, how that happened, but all I remember is being like, okay, this is great. You know, <laughs> he just shot the puck into me. Um, so who's going to be the third shooter at this four to four. If I make the save, we win the game because we had scored. Who's going to be the third shooter? Is it going to be Green? Is it going to be Backstrom? Uh, is it going to be Nylander? All these guys. And they over the board comes uh, Boyd Gordon. And so, which is not that you're a conventional pick. And I don't want to put Boyd Gordon down, but I'm because so now I'm thinking if you're passing up Nick Backstrom and all these other guys to go with Boyd Gordon, I'm, I'm assuming he's got a really good move that he doesn't practice and scores on a lot. So I don't know what this guy's going to do. So this is how I'm thinking. Um, probably thinking too much, but anyway, Boyd Gordon comes down. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do. So I decided I'm going to throw a poke check. So just to disrupt him, if he's going to do some crazy move, make him do something else at the very least. Right. So I poke check Boyd Gordon. I get the puck. We win the game. I got a picture of that poke check. Um, that's blown up. And that was a real 
turning point in my career, that poke check on Boy Gordon. We win the game five to four. Then I start playing. Brent Sutter keeps playing me. I play the next game. I think we won at a more reasonable uh, score. <laughs> I play again. We win. And I kind of went on that roll where I started to win. If I had lost that shootout and, 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 I, and I lost my first three games, probably would have went back with Kevin Weeks. My career would have been much different. But that poke check on Boyd Gordon to secure the win, excuse me, to secure that win, that was a real turning point in my, in my career. Uh, and so, you know, looking back at it, that's how I, that's how I tell that story of that particular time uh, in that, that run I had with, with New Jersey. It's awesome. And Chico, I know that you always point out how bright goaltenders are and they're the yes. thinkers. They just don't try to overpower you as some players try to do. And that's a perfect example, isn't it? I mean, first off, you have the benefit, Scott, of having faced Kozlov but you could have you could have skated off in Toronto early. He said, "Listen, he took a couple of shots. We're done. That yeah. helps you." And then you outsmart Boyd Gordon, right, Chico? I mean, you're smiling well, on your head. You're proud of this goalie guy. Well, you know, Maddie, being announcers, we're watching these these situations uh, uh, unfold. But having been a goalie, I know that the goalies are thinking. Um, much more than just, I got to stop this guy. But that is a fascinating point that that moment proved to you that you could adapt. Like you were saying, you were a good adapter, Scott. Yeah. I mean, uh, poke checks, very dangerous. or just for people who don't know, because if he beats you, you're looking silly. So, um, you know, Scott, I just wanted to say, uh, and that, that may be it, but of all your wins, and, and Maddie made a great point there, 25 wins, no other goalie but Marty Brodeur for the Devils have ever had 25 wins. Is there one game, maybe it was a win, maybe it wasn't, that when you look back on your Devils career, one of the most satisfying games that you've had? Uh, and that's a, that's a tough one. I do remember playing that stretch and there was a bit you know and there was a big question mark well the devil's got to go trade for someone they're going to get someone but they didn't i think they kind of held pat let's see what we can do here and i kept playing i kept playing but there was a time i don't know maybe 10 games into that stretch where we played back-to-back -back nights and, and we played i believe it was in philadelphia first against a really good philly team and we won i think maybe two to one then we went up to montreal or it might've been vice versa, but anyway, played in Montreal and we beat them as well. Pretty low scoring game too. And I thought at the time that that was when, that was when it really kind of stuck with me that, and, and I think I proved at that time we put in wins together. And then I, if I could beat Philly in Philly and Montreal and Montreal, and they were good teams at the time that now this is starting to, to become something, you know, and we were, I think, climbing this, the standings in, in the division, maybe even leading the division. Uh, we had a couple of good games uh, either just before or right after with the Rangers, our rival, and we beat them as well. Um, and so I think that that was, I think if I remember, like, what was your biggest, you know, devil win? Number one, it would obviously be my first game, the first shutout playing in Pittsburgh for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but during, during that time, uh, I think those two that those two back-to-back -back games really kind of solidified myself where, okay, Devils aren't going to go trade for someone. They're going to hand me the ball. I've done well with the ball. I'm going to keep running with this thing because this now, this is my opportunity where I was playing one game. I just got to play this one game, got to win to earn my next one. At that time, those two back-to-back -back wins, I thought 
gave me some breathing room where if I have a bad game next night, it's okay. I think still think they're going to come back with me and I can still play. And I think that took a lot of pressure almost off of me knowing that, okay, I've allowed myself this rope, this leash a little bit where now it's not so much like everything's riding on one game, one game Mm -hmm. here. That's when I think I really started to, to play my best playing regularly um, knowing that I've got a little bit of leash, I can give up a bad goal. It's not going to kill me. I can have a bad game. I'm still, I'm going to get another opportunity because, you know, for me, my whole career, uh, was about earning those opportunities. And, 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 but whenever I played though, it was like, okay, here's your one game Clemmer. at the time. Uh, it, I thought that I knew that I could make a career and if I can keep this thing going, earn myself, uh, you know, one way contract here to, to stay in the, in the NHL. Um, man, I'm, I, I should let Maddie throw this question at you because Maddie, I don't have to ask Scott Clemenson what is the most heartbreaking loss that he's <laughs> ever felt, and you know what I'm talking about, Maddie, and you can phrase this for him. I don't have the heart to ask a goalie <laughs> tough questions like this. <laughs> well, 2012, I assume, is where we're <laughs> yes. headed. Uh, game yes. seven, you're playing for the Florida Panthers, and uh, the Devils win both game six and seven. Uh, in overtime uh, so that I trust is the most crushing defeat you've suffered that game seven loss uh, actually not in my hockey career to be honest with you you have to go back to 1997 uh, freshman at Boston College uh, we lost a national championship game in overtime to Michigan um, and that to me is one I always look back at God, if we could have won that one my freshman year we won my senior year so if we'd won that one in overtime in Boston no less um, that motto meant that every teammate that had at Boston College, I won a national championship with. Uh, and those guys played a big part in the, the senior one as well. So that would have been cool. Who, who so that, that takes a what's that? Who beat you? Uh, it was it was Michigan. It was another yep. uh, freshman uh, on the team that I played against the year before when I was playing for the Des Moines Buccaneers in USHL for Josh Langfeld, who's playing for Lincoln at the time. We both um, graduated from the USHL, both freshmen at the time. Josh Langfeld um, beat me with a, a low shot through a screen. And um, anyway. No chance, Scotty. Yeah, no chance, right? <laughs> no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah, right. No. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, it, uh, so anyway, it takes, the, it takes the pressure off of this question, though, Matt, because it's not the, the most heartbreaking loss I had, but certainly um, one that, uh, you know, as, as a pro, Going back playing, you know, I didn't play a whole lot of uh, playoff, uh, you know, games or get a lot of playoff experience, but, um, you know, started that game in New Jersey um, and we had the Devils on the ropes, right? We were, when I was playing with Florida, we were up three games to two and, uh, you know, Travis Zajac scores that, that overtime winner, which is, which was a bad goal, you know, and I should have had it. And um, so anyway, so that definitely is one that uh, doesn't, doesn't sit well with me, uh, but, you know, as it is, uh, you know, I, I do get to see a picture of that, which is hanging up in someone's office in New Jersey. Um, and I always give her a hard time about it. <laughs> How would you play that, that, uh, goal differently? How would you play Travis differently? Well, I was, I was reading, I was reading, uh, you know, high glob, but I still needed to drive my knees down, be a little bit more forward with my weight. This is all stuff you think about now. I think about more now as a goalie coach, yeah. right. As you're getting into it and, you're watching this uh, more of a conventional style now with the, the dr- hard drive down, knees down with the butterfly, knowing that uh, give myself a little more coverage. Uh, I was, I was reading high gloves. So I kind of threw my left, left leg out instead of 
they're driving down with the knees. So all you goalies, young goalies out there listening to this, <laughs> always weight forward, good balance, drive down, drive down with the knees. And that well, will transit. Make, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Matty. No, I was just going to say, did it make you feel any better last night when Travis scored that first goal <laughs> to propel the Islanders to the uh, clinching victory? Yeah, and just after they said, well, he's got um, how many goals, uh, overtime goals he had. I can't remember they threw out the number. I was like, yeah, I remember at least one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I was going to say, hey, and, and good on Trav and the ex-Devils who continue to play in the postseason this year, and we wish you know, all of them well. Hey, maybe Johnny Merrill will uh, be able to do some great things for Montreal as well. At any rate, uh, it, it transitions us to the final part of the podcast is what you do now. So all the lessons that you've just discussed with us, uh, becoming a goalie late in life, really, compared to most players, uh, not sure that you could even get to college, and then you win a national championship, and on and on. All the lessons you've learned, now you take to your job with the New Jersey Devils. And, and what's a key takeaway that you give to your goalie prospects, regular guys, anybody you talk to in the organization about the position, what's the takeaway from your career that you give them to help them? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and we talk about this at development camp every year with, with my new role here as, as a director of goal thing development, you know, with the devils and, um, you know, every year and we bring in our prospects, our, our guys that we got had drafted, um, and we bring them all in right in the summertime. Uh, we have a couple of guys that played, you know, for our American League team. Young, these are all young kids. Some of them actually played in the NHL, right? Um, and so, you know, the, the the message that I have to everyone, especially during that time, is that, you know, and I've drawn my own experience with this, but even the Devils themselves are a good example of this. I say, you know, hey, in this locker room, we've got first round picks, second, third, fourth, seventh round picks. We have free agents who weren't weren't picked at all. We have invitees who weren't picked at all. And I, I, you know, and I can tell you this and I can draw my own experience. Um, it doesn't matter where you were picked, you know, if someone else might have more ability than you, but if you work hard and you're able to adapt and you can work your way up, you can be better. You can take someone's job and you're going to have to do that. And even if they're a first rounder, you can get there and you can take their job. You know, I did it myself. And there's no reason why anyone else can't do it. And that's what it's about. It's not about who has the most talent, who's the strongest, fastest. It's who can adapt and be able to work hard and continue to improve. I go, if I'm a seventh round pick, a sixth round pick, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now in this room that you, it can happen. And if I'm going to tell you the, the opposite, if you're a first rounder and you're sitting in this room, I'm telling you right now, you should be scared that a seventh rounder, a non-drafted player could, could, could conceivably take my job, you know? Um, so it goes both ways. And if you look at the makeup of our team here in New Jersey, it's a really good example of it. We've got a six round pick on the team. We've got a first round pick, right? We've got a free agent signee, uh, Will Butcher out of college. You know, we're a very, you know, we're a very diverse group that's made up uh, of our team right now in New Jersey. You just look at that and you can see where you fall in line and you doesn't matter who you are or where you're from where you were drafted or you weren't drafted at all. That's, I think, the main takeaway for me. We try and instill that um, with all of our players, not only at development cam, no matter what position you play, but obviously, uh, especially working with the goalies one-on-one, -on -one, uh, I feel the same way, that no matter what, no matter who you are, you can still get there. You can, if you can adapt and you work hard at it, you know, and you have that belief, uh, it doesn't matter. This guy's first round, second round, doesn't matter. You can, you can get there. 
Scott, I, I just got two questions and then Maddie will clean this up. And Maddie, just bear with us. Some of this stuff might, Matt, Maddie's becoming a very good goalie analyst. I've got a great teacher. With... That's right. <laughs> no, I've he got is. a great tutor. He, he is picking up some inside stuff, but without going too deep, because most people won't pick it up. Scotty, it's, it's, it hasn't been that long since you retired, but goaltending has changed. Can you just give us a couple of things? This is my first question. Can you just give us a couple of things that has really been a dramatic change for goalies? And are there any red flags if you're looking at a draft pick that you, you unfortunately have to eliminate someone because they don't aren't doing this? You know what I mean? Like when you're analyzing? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and you know, it, it, it's hard because all the goalies out there are so good. So to, you got to find that fine line between, uh, you know, who you want, who you don't want, who you think is going to make it. Is this guy really going to, you know, is this guy that good? He's a first round pick. Is this guy, you know, maybe he's raw, but he's got, you know, it's there, you know? So there's a lot that goes into the scouting and drafting goalies. And then there's the, the draft dynamic itself. There's guys that you want, I really want this guy in the third round and guess what, you know, some other team steps up, takes him in the second and you get a little disappointed there. But um, to answer your question, you know, what, what are some of the attributes that you look for? Um, it's easy to say, well, we want like big guys that, you know, that, that are quick, you know, that's easy to say, but at the same time, you gotta be able to process the game and you gotta be able to read the game. And, and that I think, uh, and that goes for all positions, really, that can really, um, cover up a lot of other, maybe, you know, other areas of the game that aren't as strong, um, even, you know, and then, uh, you know, you look at athleticism, I think is a big one when you're looking at goalies, you know, and their quickness and their processing speed. Uh, you know, those are some of the things that, that you, that you really kind of look for and hone in on. It's easy to fall in love with the guys that are just very technical, big technical goalies, mm -hmm. uh, but you gotta be able to play the game. You gotta be able to read the game and have that feel for the game. Um, tracking pucks through sight lines that are always getting, you know, they're always moving in and out of sight lines. So you gotta, you know, in the goalie world, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, common theme. We say, you gotta be careful of the goalie school goalies, you know, the mm. ones that can just do everything very robotic and they look great. Uh, you put them in a game, very creative game that we play uh, and how they process the game. Uh, you know, that's, I think the, the toughest one to pinpoint, but probably the most important one. Um, well, Scott, one thing that hasn't changed is we know, and Maddie will agree with this, is that the teams that win, usually their goaltender is just a little bit better than the guy at the other end. We know that. And I believe on the foundation of where the devils are headed, they are in great shape between the pipes with the kid from Thunder Bay, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit of, I mean, they can see what he does. Everybody says, yeah, I know he's really good. But why is could he be an elite goalie? Uh, well, you know, he for one is attitude. You know, um, he knows that um, he's not a guy that got here just based on his talent. You know, he went through a lot of stuff just to get here, right? And I and I went through it with him. Um, you know, one point he's in the East Coast League, even. So you know, you're talking about all the things that he had to do, the foundation that he he put in place, and in the the belief uh, that he had uh, in himself and knowing, you know, his personality, Mackenzie Blackwood is one of the, the, the least, uh, you know, the least cocky people that, you know, he is not an entitled individual. Um, he really appreciates other goalies, how they play. Um, and, and he's not a, a self-centered person. He's not. And so he's always had that humility about him and that's really served him well. 
going, you know, going through all the ups and downs, he really believed in the process. So now you take it that to the NHL level, well, he's never getting ahead of himself. He never thinks that, okay, here I am. I'm just, I made it now I'm done. Like he's always pushing himself. He always knows that these guys, there's other players out there that are better than me. And he thinks that there's some players that he'll say to me that, you know, I think this guy does this well. And I'm kind of looking at him like you do it way better than him, you know? (laughs) Uh, And I think that's great. I think that that's great. It's always pushing him to always want to be the best that he can be. Uh, And he's always done a very good job at that as really competing with himself and focusing on what, what he needs to do, but having that humility, um, to, to not only get to the NHL, stay there, but he's always going to be like pushing himself and driving himself because of that attitude that he has. And so when you take this, his physical traits that are very evident to everyone you can see, and you add that with a, a mentality like that, I think that's the growth. You know, when you talk about growth mindset, that's the growth mindset that McKenzie has. So I see him improving a little bit, improving, improving a little bit to, you know, hopefully one day, and, and obviously we all want it to be sooner, you know, as soon as we, as it can here, but that growth mindset, I think is one of the reasons why he can be, you know, elite one day, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott, that's it for me. And I want to thank Scott, Maddie. When I was texting him, he said, well, I'll be on. He says, I hope I can be entertaining. Well, oh. Scott, you were entertaining. Maddie would agree. This is the best podcast we've ever had. Two goalies. <laughs> And a good listener in Maddie. But, Scotty, that was great insight. And I wish you and Vanessa and the family all the best. And I'll let Maddie wrap it up. Well, on that note, I'll extend my thanks as well, Scott. And you think about how this game has developed from a goaltending perspective. It's always been an important position, but it's gone from, hey, you guys just do your thing down (laughs) that end of the ice. And we're going to talk to the team here. To now you have someone like yourself, a goaltending development coach you know, part of a change in the trend in the National Hockey League. And it's a good thing. And the Devils are in good hands. So thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thanks. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully it was entertaining and insightful. Thanks, guys. (laughs) It was both. And if you can't be both, at least be entertaining. But in this case, (laughs) it was both. So we appreciate it. Congrats on the new house, honey. What's this? Carbon monoxide detectors? Yeah, put one on every level. Because you can't see or smell carbon monoxide. And when fuel-burning appliances aren't working right, CO can build up and be deadly. Guys, I'm on it. We just want to know you're safe. At PSENG, we're committed to your family's safety. Know how to prevent carbon monoxide poisoning. If your CO detector goes off, leave immediately. Then call 911. Protect the ones you love. Learn more at PSEG.com slash gas safety. And as you said, Chico, entertaining and informative and giving us insights. Great guest and so happy that we had Scotty on. Learned an awful lot and learned a lot about him and why he's been successful. Yeah, exactly, Matt. And that's what we always are trying to do here. Uh, We all see the surface of what's going on with, with people that have been successful. What's going on underneath? And I thought Scott did just such a wonderful job of breaking that down. And I think the fact that he said, Maddie, he, he can adapt. He was able to adapt, he thinks, is one of the key points of why he made the NHL. And then the, I think the other thing is, and you hear me saying it all the time, don't, if you're a parent, don't tell your child, you just got to work hard or whatever. That, that's only part of it. You got to work hard smart. 
And, and Scott really brought that to light, how smart he was in his work habits and the things that went through his mind at critical times that you wouldn't expect that really, you know, propelled him to be the terrific goalie and uh, person and, and now team member of the management that he's become with New Jersey. The director of goaltender development for the New Jersey Devils, Scott Clemenson. Now, this is not just a solo appearance for you on Speak of the Devils, Chico, because this summer you're going to be bringing on more alumnus, alumni, excuse me, of the New Jersey Devils. Scott being an alumnus of the Devils in addition to his current role. So any idea of uh, who we might hear on an upcoming show? Well, I'm working hard at a name that is the most fascinating devil to maybe ever play and pull that jersey on. Should I say it? Can I say yeah. it? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, it's, it's Jan Ludwig. And for the oh, listeners, yeah. look him up. But Maddie, I don't want to give it away. But this isn't just going to be talking heads here. We got some plans. I talked to Jan the other, or Hansa, that's the uh, Czech nickname for Jan. Uh, and he's going to he's gonna really try to come on, and it's going to be like no other show. I'm just telling you, this guy is the most fascinating person that I, I maybe know, and there's just so many facets to that. I don't want to give it all away. but uh, And then there will be, be others that were significant, but maybe not the key players. We, you know, we know the Niedermeyers and Stevens and uh, Eliosh and Danico and all those, those players who – we know and can remember the significant impact, but what about those guys that were working underneath that? Mm -hmm. What were they bringing? And so, you know, I hope Maddie that I can bring uh, along with your help, some of that to light for our listeners in the future. I hope that we can get uh, Jan to join us because folks, we won't give the story away. He'll tell it, but the next time you're stuck at a traffic light, and you think it's moving just a little too slow, and that makes your day bad, you have no idea about hardship. You have no idea of toughness until you hear uh, Jan Ludwig, Jan Ludwig's uh, story. So hopefully we get him on the show because he would be terrific. But Chico, it's been great to get together, and I think we're off to a good start on this uh, alumni retrospective that we're doing. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great, Maddie. Um, lots, uh, lots of things to be excited about with the New Jersey Devils, right? The past as well as the present. Absolutely. And that'll wrap things up on this edition of Speak of the Devils. For Chico Resch, thanks so much for your company. Special thanks to our producer, Blaine Sayers. And of course, we thank Scott Clementson for his time. Again, thank you very much for your company. This is the Speak of the Devils podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. Have a good day, everyone.